Hello and a warm welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield. I'm recording this on Wednesday, April 12, 2023, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bible and join me for this time in the Word. In the previous program, I mentioned that because we've been considering Daniel chapter 2, where you see the, the vision of the great image and the stone that smashes the image on its feet and becomes a, a mountain that fills the whole earth, uh, because of that, I thought it would, it would be very good to take some time to consider Christ as the stone for God's building. Because, of course, that's the stone there in Daniel chapter 2, that's a picture of Christ and his kingdom. And Christ as a stone for God's building is a great, great topic in the Bible. And as the believers in Christ, we should have some basic grasp of this matter because it really helps us to have a much better and more solid grasp of what God's purpose really is. In Matthew 16, of course, Peter makes his his great declaration of who Christ is. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 16, he Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Jesus uh, doesn't say to him in verse 17, you know, Blessed are you, uh, Simon Barjona, because your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven and it's going to be wonderful. That's not what he says. Uh, He says in verse 17, Blessed are you, uh, because my Father has revealed this to you. you. You didn't get this on your own, Peter. This was a vision my Father gave you. And then he goes on in verse 18, and he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So after Peter declared who the Christ was, he says to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus turned around and showed Peter something of who Peter was. Basically, what he's saying to him is, is, that's right, Peter, yes, now you've seen who I am. You've seen that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that's something my Father revealed to you. But now I want to show you something of who you are. You're Peter, and you're going to be a stone, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. This is a basic experience every Christian needs to have. First of all, we need to see something of the revelation of Christ, of who Christ really is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who Jesus really is. But once we see this revelation, then we need to go on and allow the Lord to show us who we are in Christ, that we have become a stone for God's building. Yes, we see who Jesus is. We see who Christ is. Praise the Lord for that. But we also need to see now who we are, that we have become these stones for God's building. Because Peter here, it's not that he's the Pope. It's not that he's, uh, now for sure, he did take the lead among the early disciples. But he's a picture here of every believer in Christ. And sure enough, uh, in his epistle, that's exactly what he says. And when you come to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, coming to him, coming to Christ, that is, to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but with God chosen and precious. Verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter here is saying that we need to have the very same experience that he did. We come to Christ just as he did in the Gospels. 
and Christ turns us into living stones for God's building. This is such a crucial, basic revelation. Every Christian needs to realize God wants to have a building. That building is the church. And for that building, he takes us, the fallen sinners, and gives us a revelation of himself and of who he is and begins to turn us into stones for God's building. Now, this, this matter of us being stones doesn't happen all at once. It takes transformation. And that's, again, that's what you see in the life of Peter. In the Gospels, you see this one who was uh, very bold and very uh, self-confident. And he made a lot of mistakes, but at least he was always dealing with the Lord. And then eventually, in the book of Acts, especially in these early chapters in the book of Acts, there you see Peter as a real stone for God's building because he had been dealt with by the Lord directly. You know, I really wish uh, Catholics, to be honest, would spend more time studying the writings and the words of Peter. Because here he says, when he talks about how this process takes place, he doesn't say you go to the Mass. He doesn't say uh, you, you, you participate in the sacrifices, or sorry, in the, in the sacraments. What he says is, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 4, coming to him, coming to Christ, that is, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So it's as we come to Christ directly, that's what turns us into stones for God's building. And this is something we really have to be uh, exercised about. You know, why was Peter uh, able to become a stone for God's building is because in the Gospels, he was dealing directly with the Lord himself. And that, of course, was a tremendous blessing. He was actually with Christ when Christ was physically present on the earth. We don't have that blessing today. We come to Christ in a spiritual sense today. Uh, it's interesting. Peter tells us in, in, in chapter 1 of his epistle, whom having not seen, you love. Right? We do love him, but we don't come to him in the physical sense. We, we don't have that kind of contact with him, but we open to him spiritually from deep within our being, and we deal with the Lord directly. No one else can do that for you. The principle is exactly the same. When you received the new life in Christ, you had to open your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I just repent. I'm a sinner. I come to you. I believe in you as my Savior. No one can do that for you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your close friend, your brother, your sister, not your, your pastor, your priest. You had to open yourself to the Lord directly. And the, the very same principle is true when it comes to the matter of transformation. We experience transformation to become stones for God's building as we come to Christ directly. Now, we might touch him in his word. We might touch him in prayer. But the principle is we're not coming to some mediator between us and Christ that can never help us be transformed. Peter is very clear here. We come to Christ. Coming to him, that's what makes us the stones for God's building. And we should never allow any institution, any church, um, any church uh, ritual or ceremony to come between us and Christ. We have to contact Christ directly. That's what makes us the stones for God's building. So in this, in this podcast, even we, we like to share about Christ. We like to point people to Christ. But that still cannot bring you into this experience of, of transformation. You have to open yourself to the Lord and deal with yourself directly, just as you see Peter doing in the Gospels. Then you can become a stone for God's building. 
So that's, that's just to, to introduce this topic of Christ as the stone for God's building, to give us some appreciation of uh, how we need to be stones for God's building and how crucial this topic is. Because if we come to Christ and he makes us stones for God's building because he is the living stone and we're touching him in a living way to know him as our living savior, that means we are in a very real sense becoming the same as Christ is. And so there's some basic aspects of Christ as the stone for God's building that we need to see in the scripture to appreciate who Christ is as a stone for God's building and also to have more of an appreciation of who we should be as the living stones for God's building, the many living stones for God's building. The same in principle. Of course, he's the unique stone. We're the many stones, but we still are the same as he is in principle as the living stones for God's building. So again, that's just uh, just to kind of introduce this topic, uh, which is really, really a great matter in the scripture. In the scripture, you see three basic aspects of Christ as the stone for God's building. First of all, to the unbelievers, and especially to the unbelieving Jews, he's the stumbling stone. Secondly, to the rebellious nations, the rebellious Gentiles, he's the smiting stone. And of course, those two aspects of Christ as a stone are negative. They're for dealing with the opposition to God's building. The third aspect is very, very positive. In that aspect, Christ is to the believers, the precious foundation stone, the cornerstone, and the top stone for God's building. Praise the Lord for that. Now, the central passage in the Bible regarding Christ as the stone for God's building is in Matthew chapter 21 uh, in the parable of the vineyard and in the corresponding passages in Mark uh, and chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 20 to talk about the same parable of the vineyard. And that's where the Lord... Uh, is talking to the Pharisees, and he gives them this parable of a man who plants a vineyard and lets it out to the vine dressers, and then he says, okay, now that the harvest time is coming, I want to get some of the fruit, so he sends some of his servants to get some of the fruit. But instead of giving them the fruit, the uh, the vine dressers, the ones he leased it out to, they beat him, beat some, they they cast some out, and some of them they, they even kill. And finally he says, uh, this is in Luke chapter 21, uh, Verses 37 through 39, he says, Then last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. So here the vine dressers have, have rejected the one who owns the vineyard and his son. And so he asked the, here the Lord asked the Pharisees, what, what is he going to do to those vine dressers? And the Pharisees themselves, they say, well, he's going to destroy them and give that vineyard to others. So that's when Jesus refers to himself as the stone for God's building. And this is in Matthew uh, chapter 21, verses 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Or you could say in that last uh, uh, sentence, you could translate that as scatter him like chaff. So in this passage, you see all three different aspects of Christ as the stone. Uh, first of all, he's the cornerstone the chief cornerstone that was rejected by the builders but chosen by God. 
And of course, that's the positive aspect that's towards the believers. And we'll come back to that in a little bit later. The second aspect is when he says, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. That's towards the unbelievers. And then the third aspect is, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. That's a reference to him as a smiting stone towards the rebellious Gentiles. So when he says, uh, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, he's referring to, that's a reference to Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. That's where the prophet says, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, they shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. So the Lord should have been the cornerstone to the Jews for the building of God, the building up of God's temple. But instead, because they rejected him, he became to them a stumbling stone. And this is just what the the Apostle Paul says. It's in Romans chapter 9. He quotes this verse in a very interesting way because he adds in another verse from Isaiah. So listen to what Paul says. Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So the other passage that Paul is quoting here from Isaiah is uh, chapter 28, verse 16. And there is a, a very positive verse about Christ as a stone. Therefore says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So this is a very positive aspect of Christ as a stone for God's building. And that's what Christ should have been to the nation of Israel. But because the Jews rejected Jesus as a stone for God's building, Paul inserts the negative verse the negative statement from Isaiah 8 into this positive verse. And that's why it reads as it does. It starts out in Romans uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 33. Behold, I lay in Zion. That's the positive aspect. But then you bring in the negative clause from Isaiah chapter 8. A stumbling stone and a rock of offense. If he just continued there with Isaiah 28, it would have it would have been, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. But instead, he has to bring in the negative word from Isaiah chapter 8 because the Jews rejected Jesus. And that's why it reads as it does. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. That wasn't what God intended for the Jews. His intention for the Jews was for Christ to be precious to them, for Christ to be the cornerstone for them. But they rejected Christ. And so instead, he became the stumbling stone. And then Paul goes on. He goes back to Isaiah 28. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. But this is also, it's exactly the same thought that Peter has in his epistle in 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8, where he's talking about Christ again is the stone. He says, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. There's that quotation again from Psalm 118. And he goes back, he also quotes from Isaiah chapter 8 a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which also they were appointed. So if we believe in Christ, he becomes precious to us. But when we reject Christ, as so many believers, so many uh, people do today, rather, uh, 
he becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2.15, We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. So again, because we become like Christ, we have the same effect that Christ did upon those he met. He became a, stone, became a stone of stumbling to those who wouldn't receive him. If we're really in the Lord, like the Apostle Paul was, and we present the gospel in a genuine way, those who receive it will be a fragrance of life to them. But to those who reject it, there'll be a sense of death, a realization uh, that we're a fragrance to them of death leading to death, as the Apostle says. Very, very uh, serious matter. As Paul says, who's sufficient for these things? O Lord. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth, with your walk with the Lord, and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, If you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. So that's who Christ is to the unbelievers. He's the stumbling stone. Whether the Jews or the Gentiles, he's the stumbling stone. But to the rebellious nations, he's the smiting stone. And that's a reference back to when the Lord says, on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Or again, as you could could translate that, it will scatter him like chaff. And that's significant because in Daniel chapter 2, that's where you have the great image that gets struck on its feet by this stone. And then it says, uh, this is Daniel chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Uh, Daniel the prophet is talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you watched... While the stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's the Lord's word here. That on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder or scatter him like chaff and just blow the whole thing away. He's saying, I'm going to be that smiting stone. And it's quite significant when you look at uh, this passage in Matthew 21. The Lord is referring to himself as the stone for God's building. But in the middle of that passage, he makes this statement, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation producing the fruits of it. So here he's saying, this stone is the kingdom of God. The stone is the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what you see in Daniel. Uh, It's a stone that strikes the image and wipes it away. But then, and that's in verses 34 and 35. But in verse 44 of Daniel chapter uh, 2, when Daniel's explaining what he saw in the dream, he says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this stone 
is the kingdom of God both in Daniel chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 21. And I have to believe, as the Lord was speaking this, the Jewish leaders, they knew the scripture. Surely they would have known what the Lord was referring to when he said that. that He was talking about that vision that Daniel had in chapter 2. He's saying, you reject me as, as the stone for God's building. But I can tell you, God hasn't rejected me. He's chosen me. And in my kingdom, I am going to come and smash the entire uh, Gentile world system and wipe it away. And nothing's going to be left. That's my future. Even though you reject me, it doesn't matter what you do. God has made me the stone for his building that's going to become his kingdom, that's going to fill the entire earth. Praise the Lord for that. And another strike, there's another striking instance of this in the Gospels, uh, which I wasn't aware of until recently. I, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious when I, I heard somebody talk about this. Uh, and I just wanted to mention that here. It, it's another reference to the book of Daniel. Uh, this is when Jesus is being questioned by the high priest, he says, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And then in Matthew 26, verse 64, Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Well, what's he talking about there? That's another reference back to the book of Daniel. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. That was a, He's making a very, very strong statement. He is the Messiah. He's the one who's coming to establish God's kingdom on the earth because he's saying the one that Daniel saw in the vision coming on the clouds of heaven, that's me. And you're going to see me coming in the future to establish God's kingdom on the earth. Uh, when Daniel sharing, saw the vision, he was talking about the Son of Man going up into, uh, in ascension, to be with the Father on his throne. But when the Lord quotes it in Matthew, he's saying, in the same way, you're going to see the Son of Man coming to establish his kingdom on the earth. But it's a very strong statement. Uh, and for sure there, the high priest and the Jews, they all knew exactly what the Lord was referring to at that point. That's when the high priest rends his garment and says, this is blasphemy. We've heard enough. Well, how do you feel? And they condemned him to death for that. But uh, unless you understand he's referring back to Daniel, you don't re understand and appreciate uh, just how strong a statement he was making there. Very, very striking to see how the Lord refers to the book of Daniel in the Gospels. So that's Christ as the stumbling stone and as the smiting stone for dealing with the opposition to God's building from the unbelievers and from the rebellious nations. And one thing I should, uh, just, to, just to explain a little bit, the reason why he's referred to as the smiting stone by most commentators is that in Daniel chapter 2.34 when it says the stone struck the image on its feet, in the old King James Version it says he smote the image on its feet. And so the, that's why he's called the smiting stone, as I say, by most commentators. But thank the Lord, there's also the positive aspect as Christ, of Christ as the stone for God's building. And that's what you see in Isaiah 28, 16, where it says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So here you see several different aspects of Christ as the stone for God's building. But first of all, what we should realize from this, it really shows us God desires to have a building. What is God doing on the earth today? He is gaining his building, which is the church. He's building up the church to be his dwelling place. That's what he wants to have. He wants to have the believers built together 
in Christ as his dwelling place for eternity. And that consummates at the end of the Bible in the New Jerusalem. This is what is on God's heart today, saints. We should have a real sense God wants something. There's a project he is carrying out on the earth today. That's why Christ is the stone, so God can have his building. And I want to be a part of his building. We, we talked about that already at the, at the beginning of the program. He makes us stones for his building. So when we see these verses, we should have a deep feeling about that. We want to participate in God's building project by coming to Christ uh, as the living stone. I'll say more about that in a minute. But we just uh, want to just mention briefly here these different aspects of Christ as the stone for God's building in Isaiah 28:16. He's a stone for a foundation. Praise the Lord. God's building has a solid foundation. Christ is the foundation of God's building. And in our lives, our Christian lives, as, even as human beings, we have a foundation when we're connected with Christ. Everything in this world is just crumbling and falling apart. Uh, even sometimes in our lives, we sense so much is falling apart. But praise the Lord, we still have this foundation. Christ is our foundation. The basis for our life, the basis for our work, and the basis for God's building today, that's Christ as the foundation stone. He's a tried stone. And of course, that means he went through all the testing of his human life. Suffering. He was a man of sorrows. He suffered so much every day of his, Christ, of his life on the earth and uh, uh, on our behalf until eventually, of course, he went to the cross and died on our, on, on our behalf. And God raised him from the dead. He's the tried stone. Praise the Lord. A precious cornerstone. This one is so precious. So valuable. Right? There's, you could never express how valuable Christ is uh, as the stone for God's building. There's no, uh, no, no gem on the earth that could ever express the kind of value that Christ has as the, as the stone for God's building. It says he's, but it says he's a precious cornerstone. Now, what does this mean, that Christ is the cornerstone? Well, the Apostle Paul refers to this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, that the, uh, the church is being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles have come together in Christ as the one new man. So by referring to Christ here as the cornerstone, he's saying Christ is the one who joins the Gentiles and the Jews together. And in Matthew 21, when the Lord is quoting Psalm 118, he says he was rejected as the cornerstone. Primarily, he was rejected as the cornerstone. The Jews were not willing to be joined together with the Gentiles. They rejected that. Uh, they wouldn't have anything to do with Christ in that regard. So they rejected him as the cornerstone for God's building. But praise the Lord, that's what he is. He is the one who joins the Jews and the Gentiles together for God's building as the cornerstone. So just in this one verse, we see so many aspects of Christ as the stone for God's building. But we have one more aspect of Christ as the stone, and that's in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, when it says, he shall, bring forth the he shall bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And of course, that also refers to Christ. Uh, and, and, and Zechariah is talking about Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple at the time uh, the, of the, the Jews' return from the exile. But this, of course, will ultimately be fulfilled in Christ himself. He is the top stone of God's building. So he's the foundation stone, he's the cornerstone, and he's the top stone of God's building. 
Everything in God's building depends upon Christ as the stone. Amen to that. But how can we enter into the experience of Christ as these different aspects of the stone for God's building? That happens as we are transformed into the image of Christ. And for that, you have to come back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up. So all these aspects of Christ as the stone, whether it's the foundation stone, the cornerstone, or the capstone, they become real to us when we contact Christ as the living stone, the one who is imparting his life into us to make us stones for his building. That's transformation. In ourselves, we're not stones for God's building. And Peter wasn't either. Peter wasn't either uh, himself in the New Testament. The Lord changed his name in Matthew 16 from Simon to Peter. That signifies transformation. And in the New Testament, actually, Peter is the best example of one who was transformed to be a stone for God's building. If you want to look at one who really is a, uh, a pattern of a servant of the Lord, that's the Apostle Paul. He's the, he's the outstanding pattern in the New Testament of a servant of the Lord. Peter, in the New Testament, is the outstanding example of one who was transformed from his natural man into a stone for God's building. And so now in his epistle, he's saying to us as the believers in Christ, we also need to be transformed to become the stones for God's building. And that happens, I'll say it again, as we come to Christ as the living stone. We need to contact Christ in this way and give him the way to impart himself into our being as our life so we share in his divine life in nature and we become the same as he is in terms of our life in nature. That's what transformation is when Christ is added into our being by his life to become our life to make us the same as he is in our life in nature. Then we'll enter into the real experience of being living stones for God's building. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, You also, as living stones who have come to Christ as a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is what God is after today. He wants us to become the living stones for his building who are built up together to be a priesthood that can offer up the real sacrifices to God through Christ. And then he becomes so precious to us. Uh, Peter says later, uh, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The others today uh, who don't believe in Christ, they reject him. They may even mock at him. They may mock at us. But we know how precious this one is as the stone, the foundation stone, the cornerstone, and the top stone for God's building. So I really, really would encourage you, spend time to come to the Lord, even to come to him as a living stone. Tell him, Lord, we just worship you. We just praise you as the living stone. I want to contact you as the living stone and allow you to impart yourself into me so I can partake of your life in nature and I can be a living stone for your building too. So you can have your building, your dwelling place on the earth in these days. Make me a stone for your building. So again, I would say, as the believers in Christ, we need to have such a revelation of Christ as the stone 
for God's building. And we also need to enter into the experience ourselves of becoming the living stones for God's building by his mercy and by his grace so he can carry out his purpose on the earth today. Praise the Lord for that. And may the Lord make it so. Amen. Now here uh, I'm inserting in a segment that I've recorded a little, a little bit later because as I was listening to the program and getting it ready for publication, I, I just felt I needed to add something about transformation and practically speaking how we experience that because it's not easy to go through the process of transformation. Now, in the Bible, uh, transformation is pictured by precious stones. Our experience of transformation is pictured in us being the precious stones for God's building. Well, a precious stone is produced by a long process uh, that involves a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. Of course, I, I, I don't know too much about it, but I think there's different ways these precious stones are produced. But, but it's a lot of suffering. Some material, like, for example, if it's a diamond, it begins as a lump of coal. It takes a long time for that coal to become a diamond, and it goes through, so to speak, a lot of suffering so that it can become a precious stone. Uh, in the Bible, you know, gold signifies the divine nature. Gold is just, it just exists in nature. It doesn't need to become anything. And that signifies the eternal, unchanging nature of God. But the precious stones, like I say, are produced through this long process. That's why they're used to signify the process of transformation. And that's the type of thing that we as the believers in Christ need to go through ourselves to become the precious stones, a long process that involves a lot of heat and a lot of pressure, so to speak. In other words, a lot of suffering, a lot of dealings to make us the precious stones for God's building. Uh, and it, it doesn't mean that the sufferings themselves are transformative. They're not. We can go through a lot of suffering and never really experience transformation. The point of the sufferings is to help us open to the Lord and help us come to the Lord. And it's as we submit to the Lord and really bow before him in the circumstances he brings into our lives and really receive them from the Lord and submit under his hand so that we open to him and just say, Lord, amen. I just bow before your throne. I just give you the full right, the full ground to work in my life. As we go through that kind of submission to the Lord and opening to him in our sufferings, that's when we experience transformation. Now, you look at Peter's life. In the Gospels, uh, how much did he have to suffer? How many times did he have to be exposed because he was so self-confident and because he was so bold? He made a lot of mistakes. Well, those mistakes gave the Lord a way to work in him and eventually deal with his self-confidence. And, of course, the ultimate one was when he denied the Lord as the Lord was being uh, crucified, getting ready to be crucified. And that eventually fully dealt with Peter's self-confidence. And the experiences we go through very often they are aimed at that same point, dealing with our self-confidence and our self-trust so that we do depend more on the Lord in our daily living. In the Old Testament, Jacob is the picture of transformation, one who was really transformed. And of course, uh, he wrestled with the Lord at one point and the Lord touched his hip, hip and from that point on he walked with a limp. The Lord really has to touch our strength in, in so many different ways. Eventually, we have to be broken and dealt with by the Lord through our circumstances. But again, it's not the circumstances themselves that transform us. The Lord uses these circumstances to cause us to depend on him so that we walk in dependence on him 
and allow him to live himself through us. That's when we really experience transformation. And, and you now we've already done a, what transformation is in the Bible. Is it's, it's again, it's a very great topic, and we have done two or three episodes on this topic already earlier uh, in earlier shows. And so I'm going to I'll link to those in the program notes below. Hopefully uh, you'll find those helpful. I encourage you I encourage you to listen to those um, if you haven't already to get a better idea of what transformation is. But as I say, I just wanted to add a little word uh, here about how we experience transformation. Because as I say, it's not easy. And the Lord knows it's not easy. And as we go through these sufferings, of course, and these dealings, his grace is really with us and can be with us if we just open ourselves to the Lord and allow him to deal with us to make us the precious stones for his building. That will do it for this edition of the program. Uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you. And as the Lord allows, we hope to be back with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.